Brady to Tampa Bay per Schefter and Darlington as we're wrapping this thing up. 30 mil. 2021 Super Bowl is in Tampa Bay. Let's go. My new favorite team. Welcome to the Green Light Pod. I'm your host, Chris Long. Um, just firing content at you. I got no choice. A ton of stuff in the NFL uh, coming to fruition today. Uh, this is Tuesday? Yeah, it's Tuesday. Tomorrow is Wednesday. It's the way that works. Wednesday, free agency really starts. So a lot of these deals um, will be put into place for real. Um, I'll get to all the stuff happening. The biggest news today is Tom Brady. Of course, we also just a little bit ago saw Phillip Rivers um, signing with the Colts, uh, reaching an agreement with the Colts. We've seen a ton of movement, including um, Malcolm Jenkins' option not getting picked up. Dear friend of mine, really good player and uh, a big part of everything Philly has done. Uh, the past six years he's been there. So, a ton of news. Uh, we did a pod yesterday, and uh, of course that came out um, in the morning, and by the time we wrapped the pod, there was news just that continued to trickle in throughout the evening. So, we'll just fill you in on the rest of it, uh, the fallout, what it might mean uh, from some of these moves. A uh, little update here. The bad news, uh, I mean, you got more NBA players testing positive for coronavirus. Uh, Kevin Durant, along with three other Nets, who I'm, you know, I don't, I don't want to be disrespectful and not name them. Cowboy Reed, did they, were their names? Yeah, so I guess Kevin's the only one who's confirmed it. Uh, so you got these high-profile NBA players. Um, and I, I think, honestly, I'm interested to hear from more and more people who have it. Uh, you know, obviously... You know, when you heard from Tom Hanks and his wife, uh, which again, I don't want to do that thing where I say Tom Hanks and his wife. Sorry, I, that, that's kind of a pet peeve of mine. Um, they were in Australia, I guess, shooting a movie, ended up with uh, COVID-19, and um, they've kind of been keeping everybody posted. Rita, yeah, Rita Wilson. Yeah, Rita Wilson, I'm sorry. Uh, Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson... Um, came, came down with it. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's been interesting seeing, I think in a sense, like celebrities getting this thing was kind of a turning point for people because they were going to hear about celebrities getting it before that you're going to hear about, you know, your friends and family because, you know, testing is more readily available, uh, to some of these high profile people. I mean, these NBA players are getting tested, um, you know, I'm sure Tom and Rita got tested relatively quickly. Also, the fact is, like, we as people, and I do this too, is like, you know, when a celebrity has something or something affects a celebrity, you're like, well, it could definitely get me too. Uh, you know, 
these people are kind of untouchable, which they're not. I mean, pro athletes, actors, actresses, I mean, our immune systems are, depending on our age and, and fitness level and if we're immunocompromised or not, are relatively similar. Uh, the difference is the access to healthcare um, and the quickness with which people are getting tested. So I, I think that like, you know, some celebrities having this thing like Idris Elba sharing uh, his thoughts on his diagnosis. He he just came down with it, said he felt fine. Tom, Rita said they felt fine. I mean, hearing about, obviously Gobert was like the, the first one, uh, which was unfortunate for him. And I know that, you know, a lot of people gave him a lot of shit for the way he was acting, but I saw a lot of people on Twitter acting the same way for weeks leading up. Believe me, I think he acted like a, a, a kid about it, but I'm pretty sure he's learned his lesson now. Um, you know, Rudy, uh, you had Donovan, uh, Mitchell came down with it in Utah. Now you've got one in 75 NBA players, uh, that have been diagnosed with it and one in 78,000 U S citizens. Well, that has to do with the testing, but hearing, uh, these, these celebrities kind of like, I don't know the, the, the scariest part of the the virus is the unknown. Like, you know, you've heard from some people on CNN, you've heard from some people on the news that Skype in and say, hey, we've got it, or I'm in, I'm in the middle of lockdown, this is what I see, I mean, like I was in the hospital, and there's some terrible stories, but I think it's also gonna help people's sanity to realize that although we should respect and fear this thing, like you're gonna see some athletes and public figures come down with it, um, and you're gonna see that as they communicate to you via Skype or selfie video or you know, they, they come on an interview or they tweet like, you know, it's, it's, it's not a death sentence. Um, you know, certainly for everybody, it's something to be taken seriously. Um, but you can also be kind of asymptomatic, which, which, uh, you're seeing a lot of folks. So, um, yeah, that's the bad news is more people are coming down with, I think there's been like 1200 cases in the last day. Uh, and, and we're over a hundred, um, a hundred deaths, 1200 cases in the U S and a, we're over 100 deaths in the U.S. Uh, so I would just continue to urge everybody, as somebody with a podcast with a few thousand people listening, um, to stay the fuck home. I want to get a t-shirt made. Stay the fuck home. Um, there's just certain things you don't need to do. And, uh, you know, the, the, the governor of Florida says he's, he's refusing to shut down Florida beaches after that picture in Clearwater. We need some leadership, man. We really do. Um, so back to sports, okay? Uh, a lot has happened in the NFL today. Obviously, Brady was the first thing. It felt like before I even was able to get going this morning, I was watching my kids, um, and the Tom Brady thing flashed across the screen that, you know, he had... Uh, he had posted an Instagram uh, post, messaged um, the entire fan base, the Patriots organization, basically announcing that he was moving on. Uh, this wasn't really a surprise to me. It's one of those things that you knew was inevitable, but you, the moment it happens, it's like, wow, that, that was it. Like 20 years, an Instagram post, that's it. And two groups are facing like big challenges for the first time in their lifetimes. And that's like, A, millennials being told to stay home on St. Patrick's Day. 
and B, Patriots fans. So Pats fans are going to have to earn their, uh, earn their clout now in the, in the next few years. I don't think they're dead. I think it just might not be what, you, what you're used to. Um, you could say, hey, certainly Tom wasn't his best last year. They were still a playoff team. They also had a really good defense and a soft first half of the schedule. Things fell apart on the back end. Still a good team with Tom at the helm, uh, but a lot of those defensive pieces are departing, uh, including Jamie Collins, Kyle Van Oy. Uh, they were able to retain Devin McCourty. Um, but I think it's going to be interesting if you're a Pats fan. Like, if you're a Pats fan, uh, now's the time you make your money. Hunker down, get through this year of possibly 9-7, and 10-6, and six or worse. Um, take your medicine like every other fan in the NFL, and you'll, you'll come out of it on the other end eventually just fine because you have the greatest coach in the history of the game. I'm sure some people will be watching intently, hoping for him to slip up, um, insisting that the, uh, the scouting report on Hoodie is, uh, is incomplete because he's had his, uh, his partner in crime for two decades, but uh, I would contend that they're going to be relatively just fine. I mean, not just fine from a Patriots um, standard standpoint, uh, but but they're going to be just fine. I think that you know they could roll the ball out there with almost any roster, and 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 Bill is going to make the most of it. Now the question is now, um, what players are going to want to flock to New England and take those discounts in free agency? This is going to be a weird year. First off, obviously, because of the fit, the lack of being able to to uh, have free agents visit in person. So you know the way that Bill. Um, you know, one thing that, that Bill does very well is he knows the league in and out. I mean, he's the GM and a coach. Uh, he's going to bring in some some sneaky fines year to year. This year, uh, it's really hard for, you know, players with injury history, um, players who are a little bit more under the radar to, to sell themselves uh, because of the virus and the way it's making everything kind of like remotely run. It's going to be interesting how the Patriots – get through this giant transformation process um, in the midst of this turmoil. But how about this division that it sounds like we've got cooking up in the NFC South? It sounds like, now when the day started and this news dropped, you, you would, it would stand to reason that it's, it's LA and Tampa Bay. That's, those have been the hot names. Now you always have to keep in mind here that Tom's always had his own plan uh, and Tom always has his own plan. So how we're deducing the possible uh, destinations of, of Tom Brady might not be uh, in line with reality, but it would stand to reason those two places make a lot of sense. And this morning I thought that it would come down to the two places uh, I think that if you're looking at the Bucks and the Chargers, and even if you threw the Patriots in that conversation, because when you woke up this morning before the news dropped that Tom was leaving and the posts and all that, uh, if you took the Bucks, the Chargers, and the, and the Pats, and you removed the quarterback from the situation uh, with the rosters as they are today, I would even go as far as saying that the Bucks have the best, I mean, I, I think the Bucks do have the best chance of winning if you inserted Tom Brady into the situation out of the three teams, division notwithstanding. 
So, you know, I say that to say, you know, it doesn't matter. You take take out of the equation, you know, you take Patrick Mahomes as an impediment out of the AFC West as a hypothetical. You just, the three teams exist in a vacuum. You take Drew Brees out of the NFC South. You take, uh, you, you, you take the Bills out of the AFC East because that's your biggest competition and probably now the heir to the throne in the AFC East, uh, at least in the short term. I think that the Bucks have the best chance to win out of the three teams if they were all just playing each other with three Tom Brady's. Um, and I say that because not only do they have the weapons on offense, we've, we've gone over that. Uh, they have a top five defense that kept getting overshadowed last year. Because when you turn on a Bucks game, if you ask a casual fan what the identity of that team was, well, it's like, uh, well, they, they got the new coach with the Kangol hat, and, uh, you know, they, they, they got this quarterback that throws a lot of picks. Yeah, have you heard? He throws 30 picks, 30 touchdowns. Yeah, he's erratic. He's fun to watch. It's must-see TV, but the defense is actually fun to watch. If you like defense, um, they have, a, you know, a bunch of cap room. That's obviously going to change in the next 24 hours. If If... You're telling me that Tom's going to LA. I think that it's a brand decision for him as much as it is winning because it's LA and whatnot. And Tampa not being a very, uh, not being a, a heralded free agency destination. I mean, he's going to, the GOAT is going to play in front of a 20 year old pirate ship like he's at an amusement park or like a carnival. Um, they park. I want to say they like part of the Raymond James Stadium parking lot is like grass. Okay, this isn't like moving into a state-of-the-art stadium in LA, which uh, I learned yesterday was eighty-five percent complete. Uh, so even in my conspiracy theory brain, you know, I I thought it would be a disqualifying factor if the stadium's not ready by the fall. Now I don't know where this virus is going to go and how it's going to affect construction, but say it say it's not ready by the fall. I could not imagine Tom Brady playing in that stadium in LA that uh, the home team has had to go on silent count uh, in front of like the, the Ticket City or StubHub Center or whatever. Again, bad advertising because I don't remember what it's called. The winning decision for Tom Brady is in Tampa Bay. Is in Tampa Bay. Bunch of cap room, 2,000 yard receivers. Uh, we know that. Um, Bruce Arians. Uh, you know, experienced coach, top five defense, better offensive line. Um, now, of course, the Chargers, as as we speak today, have been making moves. Um, they signed who did they sign? Cowboy Reed today. Oh yeah, they they they, they snagged Balaga, who's been one of the better right tackles uh, the last decade. Uh, he's been in Green Bay. He's been a fixture there. He's had some injury history. Obviously, they acquired um, Turner in a trade with Okung. Uh, they've been clearing some cap space. I don't know if Meebane's retired yet, uh, but uh, Meebane would free up, I think, $11 million in cap space. Um, you know, they, they seem to be making, making a move. Uh, they seem to be angling, but I actually just read a tweet a little bit ago uh, from, uh, who was it? It was Jim Trotter, who I really like. He said, I've been saying for days, I believe the Chargers are the best fit for Brady, and I still believe that, but I'm told the Brady camp has led the Chargers to believe he is going to stay back east because of family considerations. 
The Chargers made a serious run at Brady, but barring a change of heart by the quarterback, the team believes it is out of the running for him. So that leaves, you know, Tampa Bay or maybe a mystery team, okay? I don't know that the Bears, the Bears might have to play with their, their cap space. I've always thought, you know, a big city, Chicago, cold weather, rich football history, opposite, um, opposite uh, you know, the Patriots from a division standpoint uh, in the NFC, rabid fan base. He wouldn't miss a beat. Like he would, he would jump into that uniform and he'd be like a god immediately. Um, Tampa Bay is the, the less sexy choice, but again, I think Tampa Bay is the most uh, ready to win now. And if you could just get over those terrible uniforms, which they say they're changing, uh, I would love to see the goat in the creamsicles. I am very relieved to hear that he's not going to be wearing those like shot clock looking ass numbers down in Tampa Bay if he goes there. But it looks like he's headed to Tampa. So uh, the Chargers seem like as of Tuesday evening, they're out. Um, and it looks like uh, Tom's headed down to Tampa to play in front of that giant plastic pirate ship which is weird, um, but it looks like we're gonna get a lot of primetime Tampa Bay football games this fall, uh, and, and I'll be pulling for the Bucks. I'm gonna grab myself a, a Brady jersey uh, ASAP, and uh, I might even head down to Tampa and visit my friend Bo Allen if he resigns there. Got Bo Allen, Tommy down there. Uh, I might have to head down to Raymond James Stadium and, and catch some games. Uh, the division in the NFC South would be electric. You'd have Tom, you'd have Matt Ryan, you'd have Drew Brees. Oh, and you'd have Teddy Bridgewater because he looks to be uh, finalizing a deal with the Panthers today. Um, And we'll get to the Cam Newton news in a second. But that division is going to be interesting if Tom ends up down there. I mean, I've, today's been, it's been weird, man. Tom Brady on St. Paddy's Day, leaving Boston in the dust. Um, I got family in Charlestown. My dad's from South Boston, very Irish. It's a hate crime. I mean, it's essentially a hate crime. Uh, it's, it's, there's a tough one for people in Boston to swallow. Now, you know, in New York, in Philly, the Irish folks there are pretty happy. They can't go to the bar to celebrate, uh, but they're pretty happy. In New England, in Boston, they're stuck at home. There's going to be a lot of problem drinking tonight in the greater Boston area. I mean, and the future with, with the Pats is, is up in the air. You don't know what they're going to do with their quarterback situation. Uh, are they sticking with Stidham? I had a conversation with Jim Nagy. Jim Nagy, um, earlier executive director of the uh, Senior Bowl, he sung uh, Stidham's praises. He said, listen, this kid was a fourth rounder, but he's got the talent of any, well, not any of those first rounders, but he would be right in there from a talent standpoint with a lot of those guys that are going to go on the, on the first evening of the NFL draft uh, this year. I don't know if it's going to be the evening. I don't know the scheduling. Uh, we know that it's going to be uh, no fans involved. Um, so the draft, was, as we know, it will be different. But uh, he said that Stidham was very talented and that he's better than the fourth rounder. So the, the possibilities up there in New England are 
Uh, you know, Derek Carr has been floated. Jacoby Brissett is an interesting one. He's got to be cut in the next five days in Indy, or Indy's responsible for a $7 million bonus. Uh, I could see Jacoby heading back there. I know that he was well-liked up there. I think that he could be a bridge for them. Um, and I guess when you look at it, you know, uh, I wonder what Bill's idea of success is. Like, I wonder how Bill really feels about this. The thing that's going to crush me is that we'll never get like a real introspective Bill Belichick thoughts on Tom Brady leaving interview. Maybe ever. I mean, it, it, it's so rare to see him open up, and he's very interesting when he does. Like when him and Tom sat down and did the top 100, 100, it felt super like, it felt like you were a fly on the wall, like the fly that you always wanted to be up in Foxborough. And I played there. I would love to be on a, a fly on the wall uh, listening or listening in on a conversation with, between Bill and, Bill and Tom, like behind closed doors. What's that relationship like? How did this really dissolve? I don't know that it's like Tom's thing to drag Bill through the mud if he felt disrespected, but we can all read read between the lines. And you know, you, you saw New England State TV today uh, or yesterday prepping for the possible departure by saying the Patriots have done what they can, uh, and they've asked Tom, you know, what he wants. Like Tom has made less than like twelve quarterbacks uh, the last five years combined, so he's like the thirteenth highest earning quarterback the last five years. You know, uh, if the Pats wanted to get the deal done, they could have. But what they can't do is spin it, and uh, state TV up in New England can't spin it. Um, you know, this being uh, Tom just left. He just left us in the dust. Um, but I, in reading the mentions today and, and perusing the Internet, it doesn't feel like that narrative is going. I think it's kind of the other way around. People are upset with Bill and Robert Kraft. Of course, Robert wanted to make it work, but... Um, I guess maybe it proved out to be more of Bill's decision than anything, no matter how it was advertised. Um, but, you know, what's next? That's a great question. Uh, you wonder what Bill's idea of success is. You wonder what, what Bill, how Bill really feels about this thing. Would he rather, A, have a great year, uh, but the Bucks presumably have a better year? Um, still a playoff year for the Patriots, but maybe Tom outperforms them and outshines them? Or would he rather the Pats are terrible and Brady struggles as well? I don't know. Like, you really wonder how Bill feels in his heart of hearts about Tom's future. Because you can't tell me, like, you're really rooting for Tom if you're Bill. You can't. Like, you might have spent 20 years with somebody, and that might be all the more reason to, uh, to wish them the worst, but... There's just no way. I mean, because what we're going to see the next year is both parties trying to prove out that they were the reason and not the other. And I think it's a bit of an unfair fight that's slanted to Tom. I really do. Uh, I think Tom's going to end up somewhere where he has because he's going to be very discerning if it's Tampa or if it's Chicago or if it's somewhere we're not thinking about, like a Dallas. Um short of him going to Miami, he's going to have talent around him. And so I think if, you, if you're looking at things from a standpoint of, okay, next year is going to decide who's really goatier, you're going to be disappointed um, because it is slanted to Tom a little bit. 
listen, in the next five years, if, if Bill can't turn the Pats around um, and his career finishes without, you know, picking it back up in Boston, here I am talking like they've, they've had a losing season, um, which is no foregone conclusion here, but then you can start to question, like, you know, the validity of, of his title as the GOAT. Um, Tom is going to have an opportunity to have a really good year, I think, if he's healthy and if he's still playing at a high level. Yes, he's 43, but you pair him with 2,000-yard receivers uh, in Bruce Arians' offense um, and a ton of cap space to, uh, to work around him, I think he's going to be just fine. Now, as of today, the odds were uh, Bucks minus 250, Chargers plus 160, Dolphins plus 750, Raiders plus 1500, which is out. I mean, even earlier today, you'd have to know that was out. Um, unless Gruden was, was blowing smoke, he, you know, what I've heard is that he was kind of lukewarm on the Tom thing. What I'd love to see there is a Jameis Winston pairing. That would be must-see TV. The Dolphins, I mean, Stephen Ross already said no. I guess he could change his, his mind in the 25th hour, uh, but they pick five, and it looks like Tua's, the, the path to Tua is getting clearer. Um, they may need to trade up, uh, but, but I think they're taking Tua regardless, and I don't know that you're going to bring Tom in uh, with Tua. I don't think it's one of those situations. The Niners are plus 1,900. They pick late. They have two firsts. They actually have one in the middle of the first, um, and they have Garoppolo. As much as I'd love for my column to come true that I wrote last summer uh, for SI that that Tom was going to head back to the Bay and Jimmy to New England, respectively, um, it's not going to happen, I don't think. The Colts just signed Phillip Rivers. That was plus 3,400 today. The Bears are plus 3,400. If you're thinking about placing a wager, and by tomorrow morning this could be different, uh, I think the Bears would be good value here, and the Giants at plus forty eight hundred. They're not going to do that. So again, it's it's important to note that the uh, the the first first round QBs are obviously Burrow, probably to Cincinnati. You've got uh, Tua probably going to the Dolphins or somewhere in the top five. You've got Herbert, and you've got Love, and that's how this uh, this plays into this this game of musical chairs, which has become entertaining and overwhelming if you're trying to forecast where QBs are headed. Uh, Cam Newton could fall into the Pats' laps. On the Cam Newton topic, um, just today, uh, you know, actually before the Teddy Bridgewater deal, uh, they, they were talking about, hey, Cam, you have permission to go seek a trade. Now, Cam didn't like that. He wrote in his little wingdings font. Um, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that font is. Is that a font that you... So he wrote in his font below the Panthers Instagram uh, post that he's given permission to seek a trade that, hey, don't misrepresent. I'll try to read it. Let me try to read it. Don't misrepresent the situation. I didn't force this. You forced this. Cam said, stop with the wordplay. I never asked for it. There's no dodging this one. I love the Panthers to death and will always love you guys. Please do not try and play me or manipulate the narrative and act like I wanted this, you forced me into this. Question, what is the deciding factor on where he uses the cap, caps lock within this font? And if he ends up in New England, for a good value, by the way, I think they could, they could snag him. But nobody's gonna take on his contract, so I think he's gonna get cut. 
he's going to get cut and he's going to save the Panthers, I think, $19 million. Because here's another thing with Cam. If you're trading for Cam, you're going to want a physical. How are you going to get a physical done right now? Bomani Jones brought up a, a really good point I saw on the timeline. He's like, right now the physicals are kind of out of whack. Like, how do you expect to see... Um, how do you expect to see Cam uh, and his health concerns put to bed with a physical at this juncture? Um, David Tepper's comments immediately led you to believe Cam will be released if they can't find a trade partner. It sounded like a goodbye. Um, and again, $19 million, if they cut him, I don't think they find a partner. I think he might be able to find his way somewhere like New England. I think it would be fucking hilarious. Bill texting Cam. Cam texting back in wingdings. I would die to see Bill and Cam texting back and forth and Cam using that silly ass font. Oh, now Teddy Bridgewater to Carolina, that's, uh, that's not too bad. I mean, I, I don't know what Carolina's doing. 20 million's a lot of money uh, with Bridgewater's resume, but a lot of these QBs are getting paid. Um, you know, off incomplete bodies of work. I mean, Bridgewater has not, to his credit, been given the opportunity to be a long-time starter anywhere, like really like a long-time starter. Um, so I'm excited for him. Anybody that comes back from like an, an injury where you nearly lose your leg, I'm going to be pulling for you. Get the bag, man. And I don't know if the Panthers are thinking that, uh, I don't know what they're thinking, but but I, I I don't hate it, especially the fact that Joe Brady was in New Orleans. Uh, Bridgewater is going to pick the terminology up pretty easily. He's going to know the offense. He's not a bad. Uh, he's not a bad. That he's not a bad option there. I'll just say it could be worse. Um, if I'm a Panthers fan, I don't hate it. The only thing I hate about it is now your division is like murderers row as far as quarterbacks are concerned. They're older dudes, including Matt Ryan, who's now about 34 years old. Um, but that's a lot of good quarterbacks in one division. Speaking of quarterbacks, Phillip Rivers, just a little bit ago, signed one year, $25 million, agreed to uh, a deal with the Colts. And I think it's a good deal. I really do. I think it's been pretty clear that it's going to be the Colts uh, for a while now. Uh, Frank Reich spent a few years with Phil in, uh, in San Diego. Uh, you know, about six, seven years ago. Frank is a really brilliant coach. The window is wide open for that team. I think if you get the Phillip of two years ago, you could see them making a run at this thing. A run. Um, I don't know if they have what it takes to beat Kansas City, uh, but if Phillip Rivers is playing at a high level, that's a damn good football team. It's a good move for Phil. It's a good move for, uh, for, for the Colts as well. Ballard's been doing a really good job. Loved, loved the move for Buckner. That was a rare move uh, that I felt like everybody won. Um, and speaking of, of trades that I think m pretty much everybody won, the Stephon Diggs trade. I mean, at first glance, you're looking at it and you're saying, I had to read it like three times. I know some people on Twitter, like these insiders, they just spit these trades out just effortlessly. And, you know, it seems like they, they know him like the back of their hand. It takes me a solid like three times sometimes to comprehend what's going on in a transaction or with somebody's contract. Uh, I can't even read you all the picks that, that Stephon Diggs uh, demanded in that trade to Buffalo. But it happened quick and it happened decisively. 
Diggs uh, tweeted uh, right after Kirk Cousins got the extension that it was time for a uh, a fresh start, essentially, and they gave it to him in Buffalo, Minnesota, very cold, very far north, uh, Buffalo. I don't know if it's colder. I don't know if it's further north. I got to pull out a map. Uh, but I would say at this point, Diggs is effectively a Canadian. I mean, talk about a guy that presumably is going to, I mean, maybe play his whole career in Minnesota and Buffalo. He is okay with cold weather. Diggs was traded for like 1,500 pounds of people. I mean, he was just, there were like five dudes in this trade. And that's what a premier wide receiver hall looks like. And this, you know, I, I almost felt like this this was snuck in by the football gods the same day as Bill O'Brien uh, shipped DeAndre Hopkins to the desert for, uh, you know, a box of Mike and Ikes with only the greens and the yellows, which would be awful. Um, this was, this happened for a reason yesterday to show Texans fans just how bad they mismanaged. Um, the unloading of a franchise wide receiver. And and Diggs um, is a damn good player. I think this is the type of move uh, that signals the Bills are ready to, and willing to win the AFC East next year. I, I, I really do. Now the wild card here is gonna be what happens in New England, obviously, but let's not forget about Sam Darnold. I am not disrespecting uh, the progress the Jets are making or how good Sam Darnold's looked at times, but the Bills looked to be the most complete team, uh, and of course, uh, looked very good against the Pats late in the year. So, I think both teams won here. Uh, the the Vikings, yeah, you ship off uh, a, a great option in digs in the passing game, but a guy who is clearly unhappy, and in return, you free up some cap space, and you get a ton of draft capital in a really rich wide receiver draft. And the Bills, again, are making a decisive move uh, to win the division in AFC East. And now, the clock is really ticking on Josh Allen. Excuses are kind of gone. You've got some nice options. Although Cole Beasley is on his way out. Uh, he ended up somewhere else today. Reed? Cowboy Reed? Do you know where he ended up? Cole Beasley? Um, you got John Brown up there. Um, yeah, so, no, no, Cole Beasley didn't go anywhere. It was Vic Beasley. Yeah, yeah, Vic Beasley. By the way, Vic Beasley uh, is making about, it looked like about $10 million next year. Nine and a half up to 12. Um, Jeez. I think I'm going to come back. Y'all think I'm fucking around. Okay, this is this is impromptu. I there's a 50-50 chance I play football this fall. In my brain. There's probably an 80-20 plan, chance <laughs> that I don't play um because that would involve a team wanting a guy who's been uh on the street for a year. But I got to say I'm pretty fresh. All I do is podcast I do some cardio, so my cardio is good. Uh, I have not been skipping leg day. You know, I'm still about 255. I can still rush, at least last time I played. Um, I'd say go, go run back that tape, man. I, I played pretty well down the stretch there. I'm looking at some of these contracts. 
I've gained a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge in my year off that I could apply to leadership in your building. You think I was a locker room guy before I retired? Man. And you don't have to worry about the, the tests. I never failed those. I know now I'm like the poster child for the devil's lettuce. But uh, that two-week window, easy. Easy. Comfy. 50-50 chance. I'm looking at these contracts. 50-50 chance. What do you want me to do? Do some push-ups? Box jump? I'll jump over the box for $10 million. It's not about money, but <sighs> rant over. And that has nothing to do with Vic Beasley. <laughs> I like Vic Beasley. I never had 16 sacks in a year. He edged out my career high there. So it's not about Vic Beasley. The, the, don't, don't mistake, uh, don't mistake my my narrative for, uh, for thinking Vic doesn't deserve $10 million. I think Vic has a lot of upside, and if he's coached, he could see a resurgence. I really like that in Tennessee for him. Is it a one-year deal? One-year deal. Hmm. Yeah, I need to talk to my agent. I'm still on the reserve retired list uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles. I could get off that, I suppose, because I'd have to. Yeah, I'm gonna talk to somebody. Uh, so that was the the Diggs trade. Uh, good good trade for both parties. Cooper re-signed for a hundred mil. Amari Cooper, good for him. Can you imagine if the market was really small, like because this year you've got the draft, and we talked about the way that um, some guys are probably gun shy of entering that uh, free agency market um, because you're not gonna get the money that you would in other years. Drew Brees, no surprise, signs a deal that will make him retire a saint. That's two years, 50 mil. Um, you know, I always got the idea from talking to Drew uh, when I would, it's not like I talk to Drew a lot, though, like he's my friend, but I like Drew, um, that he wasn't the type of guy that would wanna you know, overstay his welcome. He'd probably rather go out early than late. What this says to me is if he's committed to playing two more years, I don't know the details of this because you know it could be effectively, you know. But if he's if he's willing to play two more years, that means he feels like he's got two years, two good years left in him, and he's got Taysom Hill as his backup, who got the uh, the first round tender, so he's not going anywhere. Um, good for the uh, Saints. They have been through hell and back the past few year, few years. First, Minnesota miracle. Then, the bad call against the Rams that probably cost him a Super Bowl because I liked him in the matchup against the Patriots. And then you lose to Kirk Cousins at home. Been a tough few years. If they can get off the, uh, the mat and win a Super Bowl, there's gonna be so many 30 for 30s made about that team. I don't think you realize how hard that is to do the heartbreaking losses that they've had the past few years. Drew really wants that second one. Uh, he's not ready to leave yet, he can still play. But the one thing I would say to caution you about Drew is, and we've talked about this is, you know, historically the past few years, like people have worried about his arm strength as the year goes on. 
if you're projecting 2020 Drew off 2019 Drew, just beware of the fact that he missed those games due to ligament in his hand. Uh, so he got a big rest. His arm got a rest. So if you're looking at December and January Drew uh, this past year, maybe that zing on the ball, um, that live arm, isn't what you project your 20 and 2020 and 2021 to be. Um, but you've got no choice. You, you let Drew play as long as Drew wants to play and as long as he's productive in New Orleans. Uh, you think it was bad when Brady left. Imagine if Drew Brees left New Orleans. That guy uh, helped bring that city uh, back from Hurricane Katrina. I mean, talk about a connection there. Brockers, Mike Brockers, shout out to Mike Brockers, three years, 30 mil. Uh, gosh, that makes me feel old. You know, he's signing his like second veteran deal. Um, I think, you know, Baltimore, I love what they're doing up front. I thought they got a great value for Calais. And the thing about Calais is, you know, I, I had heard there were some other partners, but they were concerned about his age. Uh, and that, you know, that's, you wonder why a fifth. I mean, people are projecting, and this is like kind of a, when the Eagles kind of moved on for me, it was like one of those things where as an older player, there's a lot of coaches that tell you they're going to move on a year early. And with a 34-year-old defensive lineman, even if you've been wildly productive like um, like Calais has, there's a projecting. So you're, And he wants the longer-term deal. Some teams are not going to give it to him, so that's going to shrink the field for possible trade partners. That's why maybe you didn't get what you wanted to get for him. And Jacksonville's stocking up on picks. Jimmy Graham to the Bears, two years, $16 million. Uh, I haven't looked at the... You know, the real money there, um, I don't think Big Cat was happy about that, that signing, uh, judging by his Twitter. Van Noy to the Dolphins, four years, 51 million, 30 guaranteed, and I played with Kyle. Kyle is, Kyle is uh, a guy that if you are B-Flow and you're trying to build a culture down there in Miami, you definitely bring him down. Not only is he a good football player, listen, like, He's not a guy who's just going to win every rush one-on-one. I mean, he, he's a guy who's going to he's gonna play stunts really well. He's going to win a rush if you need him to win a rush. He can play the run. He can drop in coverage. He's a good tackler. He's a good adder. Like, he does everything pretty well. And he also uh, does something really important well, and that's he knows the defense. And he's going to be able to set the tone. He's going to be able to bring the right amount of New England culture uh, down to Miami because I, I don't think B Flow wants to build Miami to be a carbon copy of New England. I think a lot of these coaches get into trouble being like a little bit too unwavering, trying to be Bill a little bit too much. You see Bill O'Brien getting in trouble with it, like total buy-in or you're gone. Like I think the way B Flow is going to build it is going to be it's going to have a lot of New England DNA, um, and you're going to bring players in that you feel like fit that New England mold. Kyle would be one, but Kyle's also not like a total robot, you know, the way some people think of like uh, a New England guy that has to be a total buy-in all the time guy, keeps his mouth shut, that whole thing. Like Kyle's got enough to him, enough personality to him uh, that he that he's, um, he's going to bring you the New England vibe, but he's going to keep it loose. And I think, you know, if you're building something down there, there's going to be some ups and some downs. You need guys that can be leaders, and you need guys that can keep it loose too and bring the energy. Kyle's going to do that. He's going to make plays, um, and he's going to set the tone and implement a culture 
that as I said, is at least partially a New England culture down there. Schematically, it definitely is. And he's very good in that scheme. Jamie Collins, uh, here's a guy who's left New England twice. <laughs> he's gone to Detroit, three years, 30 million. Talk about a guy who's played in some tough places, okay? New England, you might win a lot, but it's damn cold. It's Foxborough, it's not Boston. So he spent the entirety of his, his pro career in Foxborough, Cleveland, and now Detroit. <laughs> but three years, 30 mil, Jamie Collins uh, is a hell of a football player, underrated if anything. Uh, I don't know how, how that's possible. That guy can do just about everything. He's one of the best pure defensive football players I've played with. Uh, and now he's a guy who left New England twice and got the bag in Detroit. So congratulations to him. Uh, George Fant to the Jets, three years, $30 million. Man, like, get your money. I just wish I played basketball in college. Um, Jaron Reed, two years, 23 mil up in Seattle. Okay, Robert Quinn to Chicago, five years, 70 million, 30 guaranteed. Good for Robert Quinn. He's still got a lot in the tank. You saw that as, as Miami discarded him. He ended up in, uh, in Dallas. He made a lot of plays. Was really their best edge rusher. And, and I say that from a production standpoint because I love Demarcus Lawrence. Love him. But Robert Quinn was more disruptive uh, rushing last year. And he's going to pair with Khalil Mack. That's going to be dangerous for people. Robert Quinn is a guy who's extremely bendy, extremely explosive. When I turn on the tape of him uh, this offseason, watching him in that New England game, he doesn't look that much slower than the year he, he had 19 in St. Louis. Now, of course, it's a little different now because he's going to be playing on grass and cold weather. You know, in that dome, he was rolling, and he's a pure edge rusher. He's a guy who, again, can get to 9, 10 yards. For a lot of guys, your rush is over. For him, he's going to climb the pocket to eight uh, and, and, and get that quarterback drop target uh, with relative ease. He's going to turn rushes that for a lot of guys are wasted into sacks. And especially pairing with Khalil, you have a power rusher and you have a speed rusher. And those two guys are going to play off each other really well. If you have two power rushers, okay, you know, that's great. Uh, if you have two edge rushers, that's great. Speed rushers although there's not a lot of speed, purely speed rushers left in this game. Now you've got a guy who can disrupt the, uh, the step-up area for a quarterback in Khalil Mack, a lot of inside moves, a lot of power, still get the edge when he needs to. And then you've got Robert Quinn, who's going to be every time winning at nine yards. So what you have is you can't step up, you can't bail out. Uh, I predict that that's going to be a very fruitful signing for the Chicago Bears. The Raiders also signed Littleton, uh, linebacker, uh, to a three-year deal from the Rams, uh, or they've agreed to a three-year deal. Um, and I really like this one. This guy is a stud. This guy's one of the best cover guys in the league, and the Raiders are in nickel, I think, as much as almost anybody. And now you've got a really, really good uh, three-down linebacker, a guy who will thrive in... In nickel, he'll thrive on first and second down. In the run game, he's a playmaker. Um, he's a damn good player. The Raiders continue to make the right moves. Raiders also signed, uh, signed uh, Mariota last night. 
to what appears to be kind of like a pack, a backup quarterback deal. I don't know that I don't know that I think enough of I think you sign Mariota if you're going to take a chance with your starting quarterback. Now we already know that John Gruden's kind of out on um if we're reading the tea leaves on uh on 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 um on Carr and Carr could end up somewhere else certainly. Uh, now the market for Carr is relatively small because you know Carr is one of those high completion rate guys. You know he's not going to be a, a push the ball down the field guy. So if you look at some, and also he's going to demand um, a lot of cap space. I think nineteen million dollars this coming year, or in that in that range in that neighborhood. It depends on the team. I mean, as you look at it, teams that need quarterbacks. Okay, that's one thing. Teams that need quarterbacks and don't push the ball down the field. Okay, that window shrinks. Okay, teams that need quarterbacks don't push the ball down the field and have the cap space, that window shrinks even more. Um, I could certainly see uh, a couple places that would be that would welcome a fresh start for Derek Carr. Uh, I think they're going to have a bigger problem moving him, but I really do I really do wonder if John Gruden signing Mariota, hear me out here has in his mind that maybe sitting at 12 in the draft, uh, especially with Indianapolis um, now, and I think they were 13, so it's kind of irrelevant, uh, not needing a quarterback. You know, you talk about there's four quarterbacks in the, in, in the first round. The Raiders, if they fall in love with somebody, say Herbert falls a little bit or Love falls a little bit, you know, you've got a quarterback whisperer, you've got a guy who probably thinks he can uh, fresh start, with, with a rookie quarterback, get more out of that position than a guy that he already knows he doesn't like in Derek Carr. So if he can move him, then you've got a veteran quarterback uh, in Marcus Mariota who might, A, start out the starter, push the rookie, mentor the rookie, a great locker room dude, a guy that everybody loves. You saw him last year inexplicably really into everything as Tannehill was on that magic run. And here's a guy who, who had to turn over the keys to Ryan Tannehill and Tannehill became this hometown hero, and uh, and Mariota sitting there supportive, come in and do his little wildcat stuff, jog off the field, celebrate with his teammates. He's the type of guy you would want in a locker room with a rookie quarterback. So I don't really see that that deal as being an A, Mariota is the answer guy, or B, that he's going to sit in a room with Derek Carr because those are two guys that you can't be sure about as starting quarterbacks right now. Although I like Derek Carr, um, I certainly would feel better about trotting Derek Carr out for a 16-game season than I would Mariota, uh, but I, I think the way Gruden feels about it, I might be going on a big limb here, but maybe he's, he's angling to draft a quarterback that you really have to pay nothing for. So you, you pay Mariota uh, kind of backup plus money, and then you, then you draft a quarterback that, that you really don't have to pay. And if you can dump uh, Carr on somebody else, maybe there's a, there's a suitor there. So the Eagles don't pick up Malcolm Jenkins. Malcolm Jenkins uh, option. Um, you know now you're talking about Jenk. You're talking about Jason Peters. You're talking about Sproles, Nigel Bradham, uh, all guys that are going to be out of Midnight Green next year. Sproles retired. Uh, Nigel got cut. Jason Peters is going to leave. Uh, Malk is is gone. That's a lot of leadership. That's a lot of experience. Those are good players. Malcolm uh, was still playing at a high level. He's been dependable. Uh, 
Uh, he's played in like 96 of the 96 games uh, that he could have suited up in for the Philadelphia Eagles in the past six years that he played. He was a model teammate. Um, he means a lot to the city of Philadelphia, I know. He's done a ton off the field. We all know about it. Uh, he has and is going to have a really lasting uh, imprint on that locker room and on that city. And uh, I think he's got some good football left in him. So I, I, I don't like the move, uh, but that's just me. That's all I'll say. Sucks, because I think Malk's still got some, some good football in him. But the way things are looking, it's going to be a totally different operation there. It, it does look like they're just kind of, they're doing this youth movement thing that's been going for about two years here. And they're just, they're really, they're really following that, that blueprint. Um, so Malk's what, 30, 30, 31. He's got, I'd say he's got three, four good, good years of football left in him. Hopefully we'll get him on the show here to talk about uh, maybe his next destination. Uh, where he might be headed next in his time in Philly. Uh, you've got Jason Witten signing one year with the Raiders. He's going to join the, the the likes of like Joe Montana in Kansas City. Uh, you know, shit like that. I mean, Junior Seau in New England. A whole bunch of of, uh, of football players that wore weird uniforms uh, before it was all said and done. You know, I understood Jason coming back this year. The guy must really love football because now he's going to leave Dallas and go play somewhere else for a year. Um, more power to him. So yeah, that that's kind of all the the movement today. There was a lot going on. Obviously, it started with Tom Brady, and it didn't stop today. Um, it has kept my mind off the uh, the whole pandemic thing, so that's been kind of nice. Um, but I also want to reiterate at all times that this is just fucking football. And there's a lot of real life stuff going on. So as I as I sit here and bullshit about football for the better part of an hour, uh, I want everybody to remember that uh, it's not that important. Brady to Tampa Bay per Schefter and Darlington as we're wrapping this thing up. 30 mil. 2021. Super Bowl is in Tampa Bay. Let's go. My new favorite team. Yo, I'm wondering I'm what I just I'm waiting to see the fallout in Boston. Nothing signed. Yeah, it's Schefter says it's done. Okay, so there you have it. I'm going to go visit Bo Allen and uh you know, my my buddy Tom Brady. Down in, uh, down in Tampa. Is the is I don't is Tampa a really expensive city? What he got in Brookline, he could probably get like three houses in Tampa. He's gonna have one of those big, ugly ass, Venetian looking houses, like right on the water. But it's gonna be like expensive as fuck. But it's not gonna be Brookline expensive. Tampa Bay Zillow. I'm gonna find Tom a house before we get out of here. Median house in Brookline is 950,000. Median in Tampa Bay is 220? 
Woo. All right, Tom Brady for sale. Let's see. We don't really need to set a price range here. Yeah, I'm looking to buy. My name's Tom Brady. Just hopping. Tom definitely doesn't use Zillow. Um, you know what's funny is how many people are probably DMing Tom right now with like their real estate business card essentially down in the Tampa area. I don't know about you, but I get a lot of DMs from people like pitching their business ideas or like also services that they can offer like, hey, no, you might be in the market for a house. Check me out. I'm like, yeah, I don't prefer to do business with people that their mode of, of communication is Instagram DMs. Um, I would love to open Tom Brady's DMs one time. They have to be unbelievable. They're just stranger than fiction stuff probably going on in there. Uh, high to low. The, the highest priced Tampa Bay home is a mere $10 million? And it, it's, uh, man, it is ugly as fuck. Well, it's not that ugly. I would change some of the decor. Um, but yeah, it's like really Venetian looking. It's going to be interesting to see where Tom and Giselle call home down there. But again, with the new, uh, ooh, nice lot here on Bayshore Boulevard for six mil. Blank slate, the water right out in front of them. This is like the polar opposite of living in Brookline. $6 million lot. 0.67 acres right on the water. Ooh. No, this is the one. This is the one. This looks like a... This is more Tom. I'm just telling you, this is where Tom Brady's gonna live. I'm calling it right now. I struck out on calling his free agent... uh, destination. I thought it was going to be San Francisco last summer. I was wrong. He's going to live on 6409 Bayshore Boulevard, Tampa, Florida. It's a really distinguished looking house. It's on the water. It doesn't look like a Florida house. I'm not crazy about the interior, but Tom and Giselle get that right. Nice guest house in the back. Looks to be about 4,000 square feet, the guest house. Uh, This house measures in at a whopping 8,000 square feet, a cozy 8,000 square feet. I believe it's brick. It's got some ivy growing on the side. Green roof. Beautiful place. Tom, can't wait to come visit. 6409 Bayshore Boulevard. That's your house, dude. It's beautiful. Guest house and everything. Check that one out. All right, well... I gotta go. Uh, I got shit to do. We'll uh, we'll talk to you uh, tomorrow. I'll be in the green light chair with Megan Gunner, uh, and we will be doing some ranking. We'll be answering some mailbag. Just shooting the shit. Y'all take care.